Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. Good morning and welcome to Arts R Us. I'm Noreen Mitchell. I'm here in the studio with my co-host Karen Cassian and we're pleased to welcome Alberta Robinet today. Good morning, Alberta. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us, Alberta. It's nice to see you. Alberta is one of these multi-talented people. She's a teacher, a writer, an actor, and a Huntsville Festival of the Art board member. A fellow board member with me. Yes, it's true. Yes. <laughs> I have always had a curiosity about your name, Alberta Robinet. And the Robinet part actually is Robinette, very... she just told me it's Robinette. If we were properly French, it would be Robinet or Robinet, I suppose. But I grew up in Windsor, um, and there are many um, French-Canadian people in the Windsor area, and so that's where the name came from. Um, but in the Windsor area, everything is very anglicized, and so it has a hard T at the end uh, in the Windsor area, so I pronounce it Robinette. Okay, so does Joseph Biden. His yes. middle name is Robinette. And I wondered if Maybe you knew that was a variation. <laughs> you know what? I did know that when he was um, sworn in, many people contacted me asking if he was a long-lost relative. And I don't know the answer to that, but I think it would be pretty fun if we were somehow related. Is it not an unusual name? In Windsor, um, no, I have a in, big in family. France? So okay. um, I don't know. It means faucet. Or tap. top, yes, yeah. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, les, les robinets, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. I wonder um, in in the French world if it's a, an unusual name. I don't know the answer to that. Do you know? No, but I looked up ancestry, and there were in 1911 there were 39 families in Ontario with robinet or robinette as the. I told surname. you she's a researcher. <laughs> Well, I come from a huge family. I actually have 40 first cousins, about 21 on the Robinette side. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, I uh, <laughs> there are many of us just that I know are related to me. And I know that my um, my dad's cousins and families are quite large as well. So Okay. Yeah. And what about your first name? Is it a feminized version of Albert? It is, yes. Um, but my family actually chose my short forms uh, before they chose Alberta. So my growing up, growing up, my name was Allie, and everyone called me Allie. Um, but my parents, when they were looking for a long form of the name of Allie, they were looking up something that other people wouldn't necessarily have. And they came across Alberta, and they said, hmm, who would name their kid Alberta? And it became a bit of a joke between the two of them, and then it grew on them, and out came me, and Alberta suited me just fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might it's- be interested to know that's from high. German. It's German ancestry. Um, So it came to to England through France. So, and it was popularized because of Prince Albert, Victoria's partner. Right. So, it's unusual. Isn't I it? like so it. That's nice. I Thank like it. You. Uh, you know what? Mm-hmm. I like it a lot as an adult, as a child. The province of Alberta being full of gas and oil was uh, a little bit tricky for me. <laughs> yes, yes. But as an adult, it's a great stage name, and I'm very proud to wear it. That's great. So I also know that you went, you came to Toronto, I mean, you came from Toronto to Huntsville. And you were in Toronto for your studies. Did you leave Windsor to go to Toronto for your studies? Yes. So my parents lived just outside of Windsor in a small town called Amherstburg. So I left from there um, to go to my undergrad at U of T. 
And then at the time when I finished my undergrad, I thought I might want to pursue uh, law. And so I was working at a law firm um, during my undergrad and for a couple years after that. And I realized that's just not for me. And so I went back and I did my master's at U of T again to get my um, master's of arts and child studies and education. That was at OISE. That was at OISE, correct. And that suits you, Alberta. I think so, too. <laughs> Law was not uh, not my passion in the end, but um, yes, education definitely is. That's great. And how did you end up in Huntsville? Do you have a history of coming up here? Or? Yeah, well, no, I had never been before I moved up here, actually. I was lucky enough in the second year of my master's program, I spent an entire year in one classroom uh, with the most amazing associate teacher, mentor teacher that I've ever been with. Her name is Elizabeth Pasternak, and she had an amazing passion for bringing the outdoors in and for bringing her children outside, even in an urban environment to experience outdoor education. And so I was incredibly inspired by this placement. And so when I was looking for jobs, I was seeking out similar placements that would bring me outside and allow me to incorporate outdoor education into my own teaching practice. And I found Towingo through a friend of a friend and I applied. I had the most amazing interview and moved up here and I've never looked back. <laughs> That's great. It is. And you studied, uh, did you not, um, a practice that's uh, akin to indigenous education, the natural curiosity? Yes, yes. So the natural curiosity um, document and book is infused with amazing indigenous perspectives, and they've consulted many indigenous educators to create um, the natural curiosity teaching document. Um, and so this was definitely a big part of my uh, studies at OISE. Um, and also um, my associate teacher that I was talking about, she brought in a ton of Indigenous education into the classroom as well, um, which was so inspiring. And then I was lucky enough more recently to um, to win the Natural Curiosity Award as well with my Edward Bertinsky Award. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, Alberta, is it all, also a very European, um, the outdoor education? I've seen that. Is it Sweden? And yeah, there are many Nordic countries mm -hmm. and Scandinavian countries that do a lot of outdoor education. Um, and it's it's starting up in Canada more and more, uh, especially in BC. There are more um, outdoor kindergartens and things popping up. Forest kindergarten as well is a big I, thing. I read area. about that. That's mm -hmm. very cool. Back to your award. Tell oh. us more about this award that you won. Well, um, it was quite a while ago now, but I won with my uh, my co-teacher at the time, Adrian Rinney, um, and we uh, we were recognized for our outdoor education and, um, and and the experiences that we were giving to children. Were you happy to be an outdoor kindergarten teacher when the pandemic rolled around? Absolutely. It was hard when we were online because delivering outdoor kindergarten in an online platform is a little bit hard um so I bet. how do you get tricky. them to stay well and also how do you bring your computer outside it kind of makes yeah. things a little bit hard so I would do a lot of pre-filmed videos that encourage the children to get outside but once we were able to be back in person outdoor education I think is wonderful all the time but it's also so nice during COVID because it just gives you a little more breathing room um 
um, and the kids, it's more, it's easy to spread out. The kids are happier in general. And then you can really go over what you want to cover in a more relaxed setting. When I'm inside, I know for myself, I can't speak for teachers in general, but there are so many rules that we have to follow during COVID that it, there's a different, um, lens that you see teaching through inside right now. And so outside, it felt like I could keep some of those more intrinsic properties to myself that I that I hope to always bring to my teaching practice. Um, I could bring them to life when I'm outside with my kids. Is I read somewhere that you're... Fo- sorry. The, sorry, the, the focus. Uh, um, I just, I can't imagine all these little kindergarten kids outside in their outfits focused on you is it harder outside or do you think or I don't I don't think so but I've also never known any different really I mean I I came right from my uh, degree right into outdoor kindergarten and so it is it's hard for them at first but it would be hard for them to pay attention inside at first too because kindergarten is all about learning to be at school and learning how to pay attention and building those self-regulation skills and socializing Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the social skills above anything else. Yeah. Absolutely. And so um, I think it would be hard for them anywhere. Okay. But when they're outside, they're happier and they're able to fidget and move their bodies in a way that would be distracting inside. But when you're outside and you have more space, it doesn't distract the rest of the kids as much. And so mm-hmm. it actually helps those kids who do need to move because they can't. Yes. And a part of that teaching is drama, right? Oh, yes. I would say, I think because I love drama so much, I think that is one of the main reasons that I was drawn to teaching because I get to animate my face and tell stories and teach That, that must be story. harder with a mask. Oh, you don't know? Do you have a mask outside? Not outside. No. Okay. But um, before I start uh, the school year when we are masked, I send them all a video um, to show them how my eyes crinkle even oh, in a mask. That's great. So they can know that I'm smiling even when they can't see my mouth. We're smiling right now, and I think this is a moment to take a break. We're going to come back and talk more about your your career in theater. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. We're back on Arts Ross. I'm Noreen Mitchell with Karen Cassian, and we're pleased here to have Alberta Robinette with us in the studio. And she's talking about how she came to theater and drama and how much she loves it. So we're going to go return to that. Awesome. Well, yes, I do. I've always been theatrical. <laughs> my my mom tells the story of my uh, my grandfather when I was young. I said something when I was about two years old that just made him say that girl's gonna be an actress, and I guess that really um, you know was part of my being from then on. Um, I've always sought out performing and high school, Alberta, grade school. (laughs) Yes. I mean, grade school, I would, uh, I would perform in our school plays and talent shows. I was in vocal lessons and violin lessons from a very young age as well. And then I went to a performing arts high school in Windsor uh, that had an expanded arts program. 
My daughter went to one of those. Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. They're pretty cool. They're so cool. I, yeah. I uh, People often ask me if it was like going to school in the movie Fame. And I would say a little bit, not quite. But <laughs> <laughs> we did not have a football team. And so the plays and musicals that we put on became the big draw for audience participation like you would get at a football game, which was pretty cool. So... And you studied improv? I did, yes. Um, I've always loved improv. I was on the improv team in high school, and then I got into sketch comedy in university that I really loved, which uh, incorporates elements, of course, of improv, but um, sketch comedy is really my my passion. I I love that. I don't know, element of surprise when you have a short form skit or sketch and then you can kind of take it anywhere you want to go in the moment as long as you're trusting the people with you on stage. Well, you've also been very much a presence in our plays, our musical theater here in Huntsville. So I know it was Oliver your first one? Well, I was on stage in Oliver, but I actually did the lighting um, for Willy Wonka the first year that I moved up here. Did you? So you got to know the ropes. So you did the Artful Dodger. Yes. You were wonderful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And I know you went to great lengths, or maybe not so great lengths in the end, (laughs) during Oliver, in order to prepare for that part. What did you have... What did you do? What did what did you sacrifice did you make then to become Artful Dodger? I so as as I've said and as you've said I love being on stage but something that is not necessarily a forte of mine is dancing. And so I spent a lot of time working on those dances and making sure I knew every step that I had to take. Um, and then when I was uh, cast in the role of the Artful Dodger, Mallory Duncan who directed called me up and said, are you ready to do some child wrangling? Because it's going to be you and and the child's cast on stage. And I said, I think I'll be okay with that. And so I made some lovely friendships with the um, the children's cast in the play. And, um, and yeah, and so I spent a lot of time with them and getting comfortable with, with those people and, and working with those young actors. And then when it was time to go, it was very fun to have their energy behind me as I was performing because there's something really special about community theater and bringing mm-hmm. in young people into the theater and being on stage with their energy, I think, made me even more excited somehow. I know I'm already very excited. It was but. great. Now, you also had to give up your hair. Oh, yes. I totally forgot. I did. I had very long hair at the time. And... Uh, and I cut it off and I donated it. Yes. Yeah, and that I was totally a, a very lovely thing to do. Thank you. And that's for the making of wigs for people who have lost their hair, right? Yes. The I Canadian Cancer it. Society? Correct. Yes. Terrific. And that was actually the second time I had done that. I, I did it previously in grade 10. And then I grew my hair out again and donated once more when I was in Huntsville. Um, Alberta, you were also in Mamma Mia, and mm-hmm. you're you're going to be in Beauty and the Beast. Yes. And, and you were going to be in Sister Act before it got changed to Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Tell us a, a bit about all of those plays. What did you do in Mamma Mia? So in Mamma Mia, I played Allie, which was very easy because it's my name. <laughs> I was going yeah. to say, now it connects. Exactly. Um, and so that was a lot of fun, and it was nice to work with um, both Huntsville and Bracebridge actors and get to new to meet new people. Um, something that I've always been drawn to about community theater is the ability to meet like-minded individuals. And so both through everything I've done with the Huntsville Festival of the Arts um, 
and that play that joined the Bracebridge side as well. Um, it was nice to meet new people um, and yeah. new friends. And yeah, mm-hmm. and so I, I played Allie and um, I was part of the chorus as well. And then in Sister Act, I was a chorus member and set to play a police officer, which I was very excited about. (laughs) (laughs) And then in uh, Beauty and the Beast, I was cast as a featured uh, ensemble cast member. And so I'm not exactly sure what that would have entailed, but I bet it would have been a lot of fun. Well, it's it's going to come back. Well, it's still going to happen at the same time. Yes. Yes. Thank you. It's scheduled for next March. Yes. Tell us about T-PAN. This is getting over to the education side of the Huntsville Festival of the Arts. You're one of the co-chairs. And uh, within that, you you do something called TPAN. Yes. So TPAN stands for Teen Performance Arts Night. We meet once a month. And my co-host, Tim Lucher, and I... And he worked with you on Mamma Mia. He did. That's where we met. So like-minded people coming together. Um, So he uh, he and I co-host it. And we basically... We ask the participants, the teens who are part of the um, the night, we ask them at the very beginning of the year, what do you want to try? What art forms are you interested in? And then from their responses, we curate a series of workshops throughout the school year. Um, so, so far, we've done some really cool stuff like stage combat. We had a drag performer from Toronto, Lucy really? Flawless, come. We've done improv. Um, we're about to do a directing workshop with Mallory Duncan and we also have some local artists coming in as well to do some visual arts. Um, you did something at more than just art. We actually had them come in. So oh, Diane okay. and Jen Simpson came in from more than just art okay. um, and they did a sketching workshop with us. We also have Beverly Hawksley uh, coming in at the end of the year to do a mixed media collage. I want to be a teenager. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I yes. want to be in that program. Sounds great. We and also have Tia Pierce set to come in to do some stuff with us too. Oh, so, excellent. Yeah. And you do HFA art breaks as Ms. Alberta. Tell us about that. Yes. So um, when the pandemic first began, Dan approached me to um, to host a series of arts content online. And so I would think of a craft each week um, and take everybody through it step by step. So it was meant to be a fun, guided arts experience for children of all ages from about five up. Can you use that with your kindergarten kids? Oh, yes. I infuse the arts in my teaching practice a ton. I think arts are just a really easy way to get people engaged and to make them feel successful because art doesn't have to look like anything. It can Mm -hmm. look like whatever you want it to. I've seen your Instagram posts and they're Mm -hmm. largely topics related to making things, fabulous (laughs) stuff. So you really collect a lot of information there, I imagine. Yes, You you helped with the Snow Village too in River Mill Park, which is recently melted. I was there on the weekend looking for it and looked a little melted. It was so magical. I helped in a very small way. I was there on Saturdays um, just doing whatever they needed. But the artistry of everyone like Sonia Rainey and Kristen White, uh, Rudy Stage, Sandy Inkster and Dan Watson was just incredible. There was such a wonderful Oh, sense of community walking through it. I felt like I was on an episode of Gilmore Girls the Aww. first day that it opened. It was so happy. And it's been well used by the, by the community. Hasn't Adults it? and children alike. Yes. Going down those slides in the fort. Yeah. yeah exactly. It was just fabulous. Yeah, it really was. Did it you is... do any of the artists in the school videos? 
I did do one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it ever went up because um, it was towards the end of the school year. Um, but I did a nature arts video. Okay. Yeah. Ah. And the Artists in the School a program is between the Huntsville Festival and the Huntsville Art Society. And uh, artists make short five-minute videos and they um, put them up on the web somewhere and then teachers uh, can access them. Mm-hmm. And are you writing any plays? I know you have written plays for Play a Pie and a Pint. I have. I'm not currently writing anything, but I'm always looking for inspiration. Often I'll write down a note for myself about something I might like to write. And then when an opportunity comes up, then I look back at my notes and think, oh, this will make a good one. <laughs> so are you working on any projects that of, of a kind that you'd like to report to us, like that you're ahead, future plans? Mm, not not really right now, but I'm you know excited for what the future holds now that things are opening up. And, and the arts and theater in particular are really coming back. Have you have you noticed that drama has been a help, you would say, to, during the pandemic to both your youngest students and also those that you see at TPAN? Absolutely. I think that the arts, like I said, it helps people feel successful, not just visual art, but also drama. Something that in high school, one of my drama teachers said was, even if you don't become an actor, drama has a a great lesson to teach. You're going to be a doctor with the best bedside manner or a teacher with the most animated face, or you're going to be a lawyer who can make an argument on the spot. And I think that holds true for... I think that's very true. My daughter's an accountant now, and yet she went to through um, uh, one of those high school, Mm -hmm. musical high schools, and uh, it, it makes her far more well-balanced. Yeah, and I think just that fearlessness that drama can give a a child and a person generally is something that's a big takeaway because you don't have to be yourself in that moment when you're playing a part or when you're trying something new. And so it takes away that fear of embarrassment in a small way um, for some children who wouldn't necessarily get up and do this on their own, but they might get up if they're playing a certain part and try something completely out of their comfort zone. Well, you certainly have done a lot, I think, for the students that you have now. Do you have plans or future hopes for those students? Oh, I mean, I I just want them to be happy. And I, I hope in all of my um, teaching and in TPAN, I, I'm hoping to give children experiences with, with arts and with the outdoors that just help them to be inspired and help More them. More confident young people. Absolutely. I would and yeah. good self-advocates. That's mm-hmm. always a big, a big thing that I want to instill in children, especially very young children, is you know yourself best. Mm-hmm. And I trust you to make a good decision about you. That's great. I love that. So philosophy. you work for Muskoka Highlands Academy. I think I maybe do. we should note that. And that's where you you have done such wonderful outdoor work. Yes, I also did um, outdoor kindergarten at Twingo College as well, but I am currently at Muskoka Highlands Academy. Yes, teaching You're outdoor a wonderful addition to our community, Alberta. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming yes. and telling us all about all the many things you do. And I, we already know you do a lot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks a Thank lot. You. Thank you. In the performing arts, the Huntsville Festival, and you missed this, Alberta, they're, they're uh, making a big announcement April 6th about their summer lineup, and they have like 
30, at 30 different entertainers and events happening at different venues all over town. And, and look for that on their website and um, on Facebook, Instagram. But uh, this weekend, um, Chantal Kerviazuk uh, is March 19th at the Algonquin Theatre. Matt Anderson, March 20th at the Algonquin Theatre. The Eclipse Walk with the Light is on until the beginning of April. We were up there this weekend and it's still lovely. The snow's great, but I think the, the temperature is changing quickly. So They're people, worried about muddy ground, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so people should get up there. Uh, Donovan Woods is coming April 23rd. The Washboard uh, Union, I have tickets to that. That looks really good. April 27th. So go uh, go on the festival site and check out what's going on, but there's, there's a lot of exciting things happening. I want to just, just shout out again a reminder about Jillian Peaver, the dancer that we had the dance artist last time on, on our podcast. Oh, and I, I almost forgot Mallory Duncan and the Monarch School um, is doing Rent at the beginning of April. There's five or six episodes, so check that out on the uh, uh, on the website. Yeah. So I was, as I was saying, the dance artist Jillian Peaver will be performing in Berks Falls at the Legion on Saturday, March the 26th at 7 o'clock. Uh, so we're looking forward to seeing a dance performance. Very nice. The Opera House in Gravenhurst has opened, and uh, the first performance will be Boreal on March 26th. They happen to be the same night, so you might have to make a choice. And also on uh, March 26th, there is NASA, New Adventures in Sound Art in South River, is having um, their experimental narrative podcast series, Constellation, begin so that you can do remotely. So that's part of their deep, deep wireless festival that happens every year. And so that is on until April 4th. So NASA, New Adventures in Sound Art, or NAISA.ca. And uh, coming up in the Partners Hall will be Norma Van Alstein, and she will come on March the 16th. And continuing in Huntsville Public Library are Rob Seymour, Jory Morrison, Carol Milne, and Tina McCauley. And that's in the Huntsville Public Library. And at the Huntsville Hospital, we have work by Christina McBean and Diane Finlayson. So that's locally. And I just wanted to remind people about the Nuit Blanche North deadline for submissions is March the 25th. So there's lots of things happening. And uh, just keep looking and there'll be more to come, I'm sure. So there's only one Hunter's Bay Radio. We, we are Muskoka. Muskoka.